Welcome to Fast Lane with Sarah Jane, a podcast for women who are on the move, managing life and family. Your host, Sarah Jane, is building a tribe and talking about the things that affect the daily lives of moms. You can expect real conversations about managing chaos, finding ways to take care of mind and body, and stepping outside your comfort zone on the way to living your best life. Hold on for a wild ride. Now, let's get started. Great afternoon. You are in the fast lane with Sarah Jane. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad that we are here together. So I had the opportunity to sit down and speak with Caleb Heilman of Heilman's Performance out of Minot, North Dakota. And here's why. We live in a small area in North Dakota. So I live in a town of roughly 1,200. Caleb is in a town 20 minutes away that is larger. But a lot of people around here will say, there's never anything to do here. There's never anything to do. We're so bored. I hear this a lot from a lot of people. So I was not aware of all the things that Hellman's performance offered. My son did go there and we had a great experience. So I wanted to make sure that people who were not aware of what they offer learned about this wonderful facility. Heilman's is a lifestyle and they help people of all ages. I hope you enjoy listening to Caleb tell me all about what he and his staff do at Hellman's. And I hope you check them out and they can help you out. Caleb, thank you for joining me today. Of course. And I'd want you to tell me exactly, this is Caleb Heilman, and he is the owner of Heilman's Performance in Minot. And the reason I wanted to talk to Caleb is because, first of all, I knew nothing about Heilman's because I don't live in that town and I had younger children. And then I'm seeing all these t-shirts with Heilman's Performance. And then my nephew, who's a swimmer, he was going to Heilman's. So then I kind of feel like I'm out of the loop because all the people know what Heilman's is. So I, I had to research what this is. So Heilman's, it's Heilman's performance. So they work with a lot of athletes, don't you? Correct. Yep. Okay. We have our, our private facility um, that we work with youth athletes at the private level. Um, we have a contract with the state. So I'm the director of human performance up at Minot State. So we hold the contract for strength and conditioning services there. And then we also have a contract with the local public school system. So we have conditioning staff members coordinating our programs in the weight room up as well. Holy cow. Hellman's is kind of a lifestyle then. It's not It's not just a place to go. It's a lifestyle. You could say that. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So the, the reason why I really reached out to Caleb is last year, uh, my son was eight and he went to your facility for pitching. So he got some pitching instruction and mm-hmm. we kind of are under the assumption of we're going to let them play all the things because, you know, just kind of give him a little taste of everything. And he, this is what he chose. I called Caleb last week to try to sign crew up again and the pitching coach is gone. So I tell crew this and he doesn't say anything. And then all of a sudden he starts bawling and I've never seen him. It was like someone had died and he was so upset that his coach wasn't going to be there anymore. I had so much fun with him and it was just him and I, and it made me realize that you're building relationships there. What I like is what you're doing is that you are laying a foundation for these kids. And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I, I think it it reminds me of a tweet that a guy named Pete Dupuis, who is a co-founder of a, a baseball facility on the East Coast called Cressy's Performance, and now they train hundreds of professional baseball players. Uh, and he had tweeted something weeks ago, something to the effect of, 
you know, we are a sports performance facility, but really what we are is a young leadership program masquerading as a sports performance facility. So I think that is something we've tried to stay true to because we know that the numbers are 2% of, of youth athletes move on to play college athletics and then something like one-tenth of a percent of those NCAA-affiliated athletes move on to play professional sports. So we know that the values you learn from sports are far more important than the actual skills developed in the sport. So, so we've tried to stay true to that. And, and we all were college athletes. Uh, everybody that, that works at the facility played college sports. So we understand the work ethic and, and the ability to, to connect with people. And those things are so much more important after sports than, than the sport themselves. So we try to try to live that and, and stay true to that. I love it. So do you, you have a lot of specialized programs for different sports. So do you also recommend or when do you recommend, I should ask, when do kids start actually working out like on an actual workout regimen, lifting and, and cardio and whatnot? Yeah. So the specificity that we offer comes only in the form of the skill acquisition programs we offer. So we do a basketball skills program. We do a baseball skills program. Uh, we have pitching and hitting. We do a football skills program in the summer, but from a strength and conditioning perspective, we don't do sports specific strength training, uh, specifically with the populations we work with. Um, it's more about movement quality and movement competency and, and training athletes to be strong and athletic generally before we specify in anything. Uh, so what we tell parents is structurally kids are ready. I mean, they can start learning how to resistance train at just about any age. It's really more of a, it's more of a biological age that you want to be concerned with. And then a maturity level. Obviously, there's a certain level of maturity required for them to be in the weight room and be safe, especially in the environment we provide. We provide quite a bit of autonomy to our athletes. We design programs for them and we educate them and coach them through it, um, but we're certainly not holding their hand. So we require them to discipline themselves and, and be mature about it. Um, but as far as a strict chronological age, uh, I don't think there is one. I think everybody's different. It's important that the kid wants to be there. Obviously, everybody's experienced that. That, And it's pretty obvious in the first couple of weeks who is there because their parents want to be there and who's there because they want to be there. But we, we tell parents that all the time. As long as it's the kid that wants to be there, uh, as long as they're mature enough to handle it, we don't really look at a, a strict chronological age as far as starting them with resistance training. So what ages start with you? How, how old do you have to be to start with one of your programs? We've taken them as low as eight. And I've told parents that we'll give them a, a little trial run. Pretty good feel in a couple of weeks where the maturity level. I've owned twice since opening in six years of operating my private facility, a check back to a parent and say they're not ready. So we refunded their money. And, and ask the kid not to return until they were more mature and, and ready for it. You know, and we more typically take them around that 10 or, or 12 age. Now that we have the contract with the local public school, we've actually tried to get in 
to local parents that it's probably a good idea to invest now at a younger age because we can start teaching them how to navigate the weight room and start to handle it in a mature manner and learn the movements and something as simple as learning the difference between a barbell and a dumbbell and a kettlebell and a bumper plate and a steel plate and these things are but what we've been able to do now is start preparing athletes to enter the high school weight room at a much younger age and be confident there. So if we can get kids when they're 9, 10, 11, 12 at the private facility, by the time they're in high school, stepping foot into the high school facility is second nature to them. Which I think is important because if a person is not exposed to this when they're young, it is much harder to get into it when you're older. And if a person, not necessarily obese, but if you're not a healthy person, it's it's a lifestyle and it's hard to change your habits. So we do a lot recreationally with our kids. And now I'm, a, you know, for that purpose to hope they will do the same with their kids in the future. And we are not the picture perfect of health. I'm not saying that by any means, but I am a little concerned because I have a six-year-old who's turning seven who thinks he can go to Heilman's this year. So I'm going to have to break that to him. So I might have another son crying. <laughs> one more year, buddy, one more year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think the piece that we've added with the skill stuff is, is obviously you're never too young to start playing sports. I mean, right. I think the earlier you can get them interested, the, the better. And the earlier you can get them understanding the importance of embracing the work is important. So that was kind of the piece with adding those is now we can take five, six, seven-year-olds and get them in the facility and get them comfortable, even though they're over just working on their ball handling or, or learning how to pitch from the mound or, or whatever the case may be. So were, did you grow up in this atmosphere? Were you real young when you were working out and stuff? No, and that's kind of the motivation behind Oilman's performance was I grew up in small town west of Minot. I graduated from Delax Burlington High School. I had 33 members in my graduating class. I was an okay basketball player. I was a bad combination of small and slow, so I quit football early. I hated it, and I, I excelled in baseball. I ended up playing college baseball here at Minot State University. And when I got here, we lifted weights and I had never lifted weights before. And my first month was embarrassing. I mean, I was embarrassed to go to the weight room as an 18 year old. So I got hyper focused. Um, some may say addicted <laughs> to the <laughs> weight room. I fell in love with it. Um, my kind of blue collar work ethic just fit. Um, I've always said the the weight room doesn't see talent. It only sees work ethic. So I got into it pretty quickly. I excelled very quickly in the weight room. And then I I realized, man, this is such a huge piece for the long-term athletic development model that a lot of these rural kids don't get an opportunity to access. Um, And then I saw, obviously, the transfer of how much better of a baseball player I got because I was committed to the weight room. Uh, and it, it just made me wonder where I could have been and what I could have accomplished had I had somebody get me in the weight room and get me interested early. So when you went to college originally, you weren't going specifically for this? No, no. I was a FIED major right away. And I, I think that was just kind of the thing that athletes did was it was physical education or we had a program here called corporate fitness 
which is essentially an exercise science undergraduate degree with some business classes corporate sprinkled in. And I ended up moving to a, a corporate fitness degree. So that was my undergraduate degree. And then I have a master's degree in, in kinesiology, tracked in orthopedic rehabilitation and uh, sports psychology. Wow, that's very fascinating. So yeah, at 18, I, you decided this all changed yeah, you. Yeah, I had no no draw to the weight room until I got to college. And, and it was really... You know, you don't want to say forced, but it was it was now a part of the regimen. I mean, it was part of our team practices, so I had to be there. Uh, I figured if I had to be there, I wasn't going to be embarrassed. So I got pretty motivated pretty quickly. That's great. So right now, what is your favorite part of your job? You know, I think what you mentioned previously is is building the relationships. I've learned is is so it's so important for us to do our job well. Uh, but also now that I've done it long enough, and I haven't done it for very long, but long enough to be able to reflect and see athletes see their sports careers come to fruition, whether that ended in high school or whether it ended in college. And now I understand why that's so important, because these people are, are still connected to me. Uh, we still talk a lot. So I, I now I understand why it's so important and so valuable to be able to build relationships with these people. Because I mean, I, I still communicate with athletes that, that are miles away that I, you know, I trained them as a, a college baseball player or, or they had just come to Heilman's for their high school career or whatever the case may be. But that's, that is obviously a small piece of being able to inject confidence into a young person and get them to understand that they are capable of so much more than they ever would have guessed before they came to your facility. Um, I would say that is, you know, those, those two are very paralleled, but I would, I would say that second piece is, is one of the coolest things we get to do with our job. I love it because I'm all about people like wanting to be better and being better and wanting better for other people. So I really like that. That's what you stand for. I think that's wonderful. One thing I do want to ask is, a lot of you know a lot of people don't have access to you because they don't live in this area. So what would you recommend for people now? Well, now with the quarantine, you know, everyone's kind of been cooped up. So what would you recommend for parents and how to get their kids out and moving now for the summer? Yeah, if you don't have access to a facility, which I understand most people still around the country do not, we've been fortunate enough to be relatively isolated here in central North Dakota. I actually just finished a, a strength and conditioning, a voluntary strength and conditioning session up here with our college athletes on campus. And we've had our private facility open in limited capacity for a while. But what we did when we were on lockdown was we released a six-week body weight program that all athletes can access for free through Heilman's performance. So we put it on our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram. It's just a, it's a Google Sheet and then what we did, and thankfully we were kind of ahead of the curve when this quarantine hit, was developed a, an exercise video library on Vimeo. We had a lot of those exercises recorded prior to this thing hitting. So basically all we had to do was chop up the videos, put descriptions in the, in the bio of the videos or in the caption of the videos. And then that Google Sheet that we have that we've given access to everybody for free actually has links to these video demonstrations embedded in it. 
So that's free and it's, it's still out there. I can get you the link when we're done here. So if there are people around the country that are still quarantined, all you really need is a, an open space in your community. Um, and we program sprint volume so you can get out and run some sprints. We programmed plyometrics so you can get out and do some plyometrics and then body weight strength stuff that you can use. And really all you need is a, a phone, well, you know, I mean, Wi-Fi, just you can click the link and we shared the password and you get a video demonstration of, of the exercise and sets and reps. And uh, it's a little six week progression that people can use to, to stay active. So. Wow, that's awesome. One thing I was wondering what your thoughts are on kids doing a variety of sports instead of focusing in on one sport at a young age. Do you think kids should be diverse or do you think they should find their favorite and stick with it? Yeah, so I would consider myself far from an expert on this. There's, I mean, it's become such a hot topic in sports performance that there are people who are legitimate experts in this field of sports specificity. What I do know is there are some sports that do require a high level of early specialization. And I'm trying to think of a, of a good example of that. I would say generally it's a bad idea. Uh, I think there's a balance. I think for the most part, kids don't even really know what they like until they're later into their teenage years. So like you mentioned earlier, giving them a wide range of experiences is certainly best for the development of general athleticism. Uh, But also I was just having a conversation with one of my coaches at the gym, the crossover from skills learned in specific sports is so apparent to people who understand sports. I mean, we see things that people will do on a football field that you can only learn from playing baseball and things that people will do in baseball that you can only learn from experiencing basketball and So I think some of these skills that you learn from playing other sports can be applied to other sports that we don't really give that enough credit. Again, I want to get back to, you know, like I would, I would think like skating in hockey is probably a a skill that maybe you don't have to specialize earlier and focus only on it, but skating in hockey is also something that if you wait until you're 12 to try and pick up, you're just never going to catch anybody. So I think that's probably a good example of a, of a sport that, you know, again, you don't just have to play that, but it also is a sport that if you don't learn it early, you're going to miss a, a window there of opportunity to compete at a, a later age. I also think there's a balance and self-awareness and, and early recognition is so important with athletes that if they do have a unique opportunity to excel in, in a sport, that is a conversation that has to be had. For example, I played with an athlete who got drafted uh, in the 30th round out of high school in baseball, out of small town and pretty rare, but he had to make the decision of of quitting football. And again, those are injury risks and and concerns there. But but I do think it you would be it'd be egregious to suggest that it should never be a conversation because obviously a, a guy like that made the right decision. He went and had a nice professional baseball career because somebody talked him into focusing only on baseball when he was 16. But those cases are very, very few and far between. And I I think keeping people active and engaged in a wide range of sports is not only going to ensure that the stresses on the physical tissues that they take are different 
throughout the course of a year. So the injury reduction and injury prevention component is, is an important part of that. But also, like I said, the general athleticism and, and some of these crossover skills that we see from sport to sport, you're not going to get if you don't experience a wide range of them. So That's great. I like that. Thank you. I actually, we have a basketball court in our backyard and our neighbors played hockey. And so they gave us some hockey nets and sticks. So they like to go out there like it's mighty ducks. Yeah. And my husband gets so wound up and I said, we don't even have hockey in Velva. Just let them go. Well, I'm just going to take that basketball court out. I said, you don't need to. They're going to go back to be playing basketball. This is, you know, the flavor of the week. You got to let them do what they got to do. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) So then did you do anything other than baseball? Did you do basketball or? Yep. I played, well, I played football all the way up until high school. Again, I was, I was a late bloomer and I was pretty small and pretty slow. And like we talked before, I hadn't experienced the weight room. I spent a lot of my freshman year on my back in football and I, I just didn't love it myself and a lot of my classmates quit football and and we became kind of a, a basketball, baseball focused group, me and my friends. So we had, a, we had a pretty good basketball team given the, the rural climate. Um, and, and then I always considered myself a baseball player. And that was kind of where I excelled. And, and that's where I ended up um, competing in college. So I think it's important to point out that you didn't do this your whole life and it's never too late. Granted, 18 is very young to discover the weight room and start lifting weights. But really at any point, someone can jump in and start start using the weight room, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's important to understand that strength and, and the physical qualities that we're looking to derive from the weight room come because of various adaptations throughout our chronological ages. So obviously a nine-year-old isn't building a ton of robust type two muscle fiber. Most of their strength gains is just becoming a more efficient neuromuscular system. So teaching them how to move properly and, and leverage their force production and those kinds of things are where they get stronger. I mean, you're not going to see a 10 year old enter the weight room and, and put on 10 pounds in a summer. It's not the way it works. And, and then obviously those hormonal changes over the course of time play a large factor in our ability to build bigger, more robust, hard and soft tissues. So that's why I think it's so important to get some of these learning mechanisms accomplished at a young age so they understand how to lift so when they do start to hit puberty and and those hormonal changes really start to change they already know how to move and they already understand what's expected of them and that's when you're going to see massive gains in not only tissue density tissue type but the force output and the power development is is crazy Uh, i think previously i mentioned eric cressy and he's always said that the best performance enhancing drug is puberty. So, you know, being patient, I do think it's important again, get them understanding how to move and and how to move safely and how to navigate the weight room and, and learn all those things. But just understanding that those physical qualities come because of completely different uh, means across that long-term athletic development model. So do you have people do a meal plan with this or certain shakes or anything? So that's a, that's something we get asked a lot, but 
those are the rules on that, the laws on that are different depending on the state you're in. And North Dakota is a state that you're not allowed to provide nutritional guidance without being a registered dietitian. If you go further west in California, even Colorado and and some of those states, just about anybody can give nutritional guidance. Um, It's just a state-by-state thing. So in North Dakota, we're not allowed to design nutrition plans. We're not allowed to provide, I got to be careful how I word that. We're just not allowed to, to give nutritional guidance specifically. You can share information and allow your client to make their own decisions. So we have conversations uh, about nutrition, certainly. My wife and I have both worked really hard to be well-versed in that. But as far as actually designing plans and and those kinds of things, uh, we have to be careful up here not to get outside of our scope. Do you discourage your athletes or any of the people that you work with to not eat junk, though? Like, is that something that you will say? Yes, absolutely. I would say... For the most part, youth athletes make it pretty easy. You can make a ton of progress by getting them to don't drink soda, don't eat fast food, eat one serving of vegetables a day. I mean, if you can get those three things implemented with youth athletes, you're winning. I mean, that's a pretty big win for most of them. And that would actually be a pretty large overhaul for a lot of, especially teenage athletes, when a lot of them are are more so on their own where it's not uncommon especially in the summer for parents to say here's a 20 dollar bill sure you gotta figure out what you get to eat today in the middle of the day i mean obviously those kids are the ones that are going to mcdonald's and if you can convince them to go spend that on on something more effective that's a win what we've done at the college and what i've done with some of my youth athletes in the private sector is is we have them make a journal so we just have them journal weekend, you know, I'll ask them for a couple weekend days and a couple weekdays because typically those, those diets are different. Uh, I have them bring it to me and then we just have honesty hour where we just talk about, hey, those things probably shouldn't be in there. You should probably try and add a couple of these things. And, and what I've found is typically that is almost always a much more practical means of, of getting some type of change because you know, you'll have people then tell you, I'm not cutting that out. Like that, they'll just be honest with you. I'm, I enjoy that too much. I'm going to keep doing that. Okay, perfect. Let's find, let's find somewhere else to make progress. And I found that from a behavioral perspective, people respond to that strategy a lot better than saying, here, you should be eating exactly this. Will you give me validation that it's okay for me to say to my kids, like if they want to eat something junky, and I'm very particular at what my kids eat anyway, but if they want to eat something junky, I'll say, well, do you think Harrison Smith from the Vikings would would eat that? Like, do you think he'd have that? And they're like, no, he wouldn't. I don't know what Harrison Smith eats, but I try to let them know like these, the people who are in good shape are not eating, you know, Cheetos or pop. Yeah, I would say that's fair in today's professional climate. I've been fortunate enough to do a few professional internships with a major league baseball organization. And throughout that internship, I mean, you live it, you, you show up to work just like their strength and conditioning staff. You eat in the cafeteria with all the players, you use the bathroom in their locker room. So you are living amongst those professional athletes 
if you would have asked me that question 30 years ago, I would have said a lot of these guys are getting by in spite of the way they eat. But now, and especially when they're being held accountable, you know, during when I did my internships, it was during spring training. So these guys are all reporting to the facility and eating together in the cafeteria and seeing the way they eat outside of, you know, maybe cultural influence where, you know, some of the guys that came from maybe the Dominican Republic would eat quite a bit different than the American guys, guys from Puerto Rico. They would eat a little bit different, but for the most part, if they've made it that far, they're, they're handling their business from a nutritional perspective. So then how can people uh, reach you? How can they get a hold of you? We have a website, www.highlandsperformance.com. Uh, we have a Twitter account. We have an Instagram. We have an account. You can email us at heilmansperformance at gmail.com. Uh, my personal email is calebjheilman02 at gmail.com. You can get access to my personal cell phone number on our, our website. We're still a pretty ma and pa facility up here. So when people want to register or have questions or whatever the case may be, they'd call directly to my cell phone or exchange text messages or, or whatever the case may be. So I would, I would say there's, there's multiple ways to do it. Wonderful. So I will provide all of the links and information to get a hold of you. And hopefully people will get not only themselves, but their kids out and moving for the summer and into the future. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Caleb. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated.